Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. It's Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe and secure. Getting your money out is super easy. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And I love building those same game parlays. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio, so use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. 21 plus in select states, FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. Dial 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Dial 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Dial 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Dial 1-877-770-STOP in LA. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.mahelpline.org slash problem gambling. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Dial 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Dial 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Thursday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. We are live on AMP. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast feeds, that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. Jam-packed show tonight. The Grizzlies kicked the Warriors' ass. Something I kind of saw coming. I just don't think the Warriors were playing well enough to overcome their physical disadvantages for this type of matchup. 
Uh, we're talking a little bit about the Kevin Durant injury. And then at the end, I want to talk a little bit about the Mavericks from a more optimistic point of view. You guys know the drill before we get started. Don't forget to subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So one of the themes of tonight's show is going to have to do with physicality and athleticism in the NBA. Make no mistake, at the end of the day, skill is monumentally important in this game. But I think through narratives, you know, just some of the beef that you see between the way that, you know, uh, the NFL is, uh, is handled by the players versus the NBA, some of the uh, old heads in the NBA and the way they talk about the modern game and they want to pretend like it's all offense and they want to pretend like, you know, there's no physicality and, oh, this guy wouldn't be able to survive in my era, which is all just stupid. People lose sight of the fact that the game of basketball is an incredibly physical game and that there's a lot more contact that takes place on the court than you think. And things like size and strength really do matter. Coming into this game, and I was especially worried, you know, coming off of the uh, um, the Draymond trash talk with Dylan Brooks, which we're going to talk about a little bit more here in a little bit. Uh, coming off of that, I was worried about Golden State's ability to win this game because the one thing that's guaranteed when you play hard is that your physical advantages will come through. Sometimes you shoot all the same shots you work on a million times, and sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. Sometimes your mental focus isn't quite as sharp as it needs to be. But usually, if you play hard, your physical attributes will come through to the surface in a basketball game, and they were motivated to get that win tonight. Um, even without John Morant, a lot of people, I heard, saw a lot of people going like, oh, they're without, you know, John Morant, they're without uh, Steven Adams, they're without Brandon Clark, and all that's true, but even when you get past those guys, it's like Tyus Jones is a bigger, stronger guard, a good-sized point guard compared to John Morant in a much better defensive player. You know, Desmond Bain is as big and strong of a, you know, of a physical two guard that you'll see in the league. Dylan Brooks is one of the most physical perimeter defenders in the league. Jaron Jackson is a big, strong monster of a rim protector. Xavier Tillman is a big, strong center. Like they still are very much a very physically imposing team. And it was just going to be tough for them to win that game. And again, like Golden State was never the biggest or most athletic team, make no mistake, but they did have some supreme level athletes last year when they won the championship that were not playing tonight. Andrew Wiggins still dealing with a personal issue. Hopefully he'll be back soon. You know, Gary Payton still nursing an injury. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Those are two top tier athletes at their position in this league. And then in warmups, for the second time in as many nights in an extremely strange circumstance, we have an NBA player get injured in warmups. I think the same type of ankle sprain, although I haven't seen the video of the Jonathan Kaminga injury. But now Jonathan Kaminga's out. So with Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton out, Jonathan Kaminga's your best athlete um, that you have on the roster. And so without him, it just put him in a really tough, put them in a really tough spot. I mean, there was a bench lineup out there for the Warriors tonight. That was Steph Curry, Dante DiVincenzo, and Ty Jerome, so three guards, a 39-year-old Andre Iguodala, and Jermichael Green, who's an undersized and not very uh, uh, not very big center, who mainly plays for the Warriors because he can't miss from three on, uh, as of late. That's been his big winning impact, and he's a smart player, doesn't take bad shots and things along those lines. So they were kind of, it was kind of stacked against them. And in that situation, you have to be incredibly sharp in every other detail of the game, 
I've seen the Warriors win tons of games without that physicality advantage, or I should say with a huge physicality disadvantage, even in the playoffs last year. Just in recent weeks, without Andrew Wiggins, without uh, Gary Payton, they've been able to win games with physical disadvantages because they've been very sharp elsewhere. Clay Thompson emerging as this awesome half-court shot creator. Wasn't very good on offense tonight, right? Like Steph Curry, he's back, but he's not like 100% back. So he struggled a little bit with Dylan Brooks tonight, although he still was above 50% from the field and at 27 because he's one of the best players in the world. And that's the kind of thing that he's going to do. But in order to win a game when you don't have, when you're, when you have disadvantages in the physicality of the game, you have to be really sharp everywhere else. You've got to take care of the basketball. They didn't take care of the basketball tonight. I can't believe how many unforced errors the Warriors had tonight. Inability to make a post-entry pass or a swing pass or just botching advantage situations on fast breaks just by throwing the ball away. And it's so unusual because the Warriors have had issues with turnovers time and again in the past, but it's usually like a game here, a game there, and they and they typically can overcome it with overwhelming skill. But they weren't hitting a ton of shots tonight. They were 15 for 45 from the field. Those unforced errors then start to really come to the surface. And, you know, the Warriors, for being as good of an execution team as they've been, over the course of the last couple of years, it's been a it's been an iffy year for them on uh, on the front of of execution, and it's pre- it's presented some problems for them. I want to credit Memphis. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. did a great job locking down the paint. Kevon Looney missed an easy layup under the basket because he was overthinking it a bit. Draymond Green turned down some shots around the rim and missed a couple shots around the rim that he normally makes. So credit to them. Dylan Brooks did a really good job on Steph, like he's done on a lot of players in the league this year, but they just weren't sharp enough. They didn't win the skill battle. You're a more skilled team than Memphis. Memphis's skill showed through tonight in a way that yours did not. You know, you're a better execution team than Memphis. Memphis executed better than you did tonight. And so when you have all of those things and you struggle in the physicality of areas of the game, that's going to be a really tough game to win. And most importantly, they just weren't very sharp defensively. Especially when you know you're going to give up some offensive rebounds, you have to get a lot of stops because you know you're going to have to get more stops than them based on the rebounding mismatch. So like you're already, the deck is already stacked against you in that regard. The big problem they were having tonight was help defense. There's a lot of situations tonight where whether it was Tyus Jones in a methodical ball screen, rejecting a ball screen, or whether it was Desmond Bain was doing some really good work in in semi-transition tonight, just really hard straight line moves to the rim when the Warriors weren't quite set and taking advantage of the fact that if you beat that first man off the dribble, there was nobody on the back line. And a lot of it was on the guards. There were a lot of plays where the guards were pointing at each other like, hey, that's your help. Hey, that's my help. Everyone's looking around like, whose help is that? You can't hope to win in a setting like that without being sharp in all of those details of the game. And the the concerning thing is these have all been consistent problems for the Warriors on the road all year this year. Not to be clear, as I've said a hundred times this season, I'm not out on the Warriors. You know why? Because this story that I'm telling right now, this like we rip off a five game winning streak with all those details sharpened and then we immediately drop a game in Oklahoma City that we shouldn't have lost, and then we go into Memphis and get our ass kicked. That sort of dynamic has happened to almost every team in the Western Conference this year. Clippers have won a couple of tough games in a row. What happened before that? They dropped a bunch of games that they shouldn't have lost and couldn't execute at the end of games. 
you know, the Lakers are on a run now, but they've had a bunch of down stretches during the season and they've dug, they've dug too big of a hole. I don't think they're going to be able to really get up into the top of the standings. So they're going to be making an uphill climb all season long. Minnesota will drop four out of five and then rip off three games in a row, right? Like it's, it's been like this for everyone in the Western conference, except for Sacramento, who I don't think anyone's scared of because they can't defend and Denver who has their own question marks. I pointed this out earlier today, but the Denver Nuggets are allowing 120 points per 100 possessions when they play a top 10 offense this year, which is 23rd in the league. A, kind of a great example of what I've always talked about where, you know, you can put forth a facsimile of a good regular season defense if you run certain coverages and you've got a decent guy who can protect the rim. You can do a decent job in the 82. We saw this for years with the Utah Jazz with Rudy Gobert. Problem is, is you get into the postseason, then personnel starts to come to the surface as scouting becomes a bigger issue. And now all of a sudden, those limitations that you have in personnel can become a problem. So there really isn't that big, scary team like Milwaukee or Boston in the conference. And aside from Sacramento and Denver, all the other teams are up and down all season long. So like the lucky thing for Golden State is they can't get their shit together, but neither can anyone else. And like you saw for the uh, the Lakers, they put together like three solid weeks of basketball, and now they're right back into the mix. So for the Warriors' perspective, they're running out of time, but they do have some weeks left, and they just have to be, there's going to be somebody or one or two teams in this mix there in the Western Conference that gets it together. And who's it going to be? And I will say that it will be a lot easier for the Warriors. They will buy themselves a lot more margin for error when Andrew Wiggins gets back, when Gary Payton can start playing in games again, when everyone starts getting slotted properly so that you don't have as many minutes for, you know, like uh, PBJ played a lot tonight. And, you know, he's a young player. That's a big game. He's a good shooter. But, you know, he missed a lot. I think he was one for six from three. That's going to happen for a young player who's a little bit in over his skis in a big, tough road game like that, ideally you don't have to play a guy like that. So it will get easier for them as they slot, but they are running out of time, and that urgency needs to kick in eventually. Uh, a couple notes on the Draymond trash talk thing. First of all, I am not a Dylan Brooks fan. Uh, I have very – you guys know how I feel about the game of basketball. It's sacred to me. I think I have the utmost respect for players who make it to the NBA. I think that's a sacred achievement. The game of basketball itself is something that I love so much that I hate it when it gets disrupted by shenanigans. I mean, we're not going to talk about it tonight, but I agree with some of the stuff that Fred Van Vliet's been saying about the officials and them thinking they're the show. I hate, But it goes the other way with players too. The foul grifting to me is like offensive and sacrilegious to the game of basketball. And one of the things that Dylan Brooks does that I have a huge problem with is he does unnatural basketball acts that can hurt basketball players. Obviously, I had a huge problem with what he did to Gary Payton in the, in the playoffs last year. He had a couple of instances like that this year. There was one recently where he deliberately did like two barrel rolls to go up into Donovan Mitchell's legs, which could have tore up his knee or, or messed up his ankle. And I, Andy hit him in the crotch in the process. Like, to me, once you start doing things that blatantly start to threaten the health and safety of players, I'm out on you. Like, and there's a lot of things that I respect about Dylan Brooks. And I, and I like the fact that he's grind. Like, there's a lot of similarities be, between him and Draymond at their positions with, like, 
you know, Dylan is not an outstanding athlete, but like, and he's incredibly unskilled offensively, but like he just competes his ass off every single night and has good instincts defensively. And he's weaponized all that to carve out like a really nice place in the league, which I respect, but I just, I, I can't handle the the trying to injure players thing. That's just a, that's a line for me that I'm completely unwilling to cross when it comes to supporting a player. And, and the other thing with the Draymond trash talk thing is he was right. Like, Regardless, like, yeah, it's two trash talkers talking trash, but there's a huge difference there. You know, like trash, I've never been a trash talker, but I don't have any problem with it. Where I start to get a little bit, like, I think it's a bad look when you're not respectful, when you're not respectful to people that have accomplished a lot. I'll give you an example on my front. Like, it'd be like if I just was, like, imagine if I didn't work for the volume and I was just going at Colin Cowherd every day. It's like, that's so disrespectful to the work that he's put in in this industry to establish himself the way that he has. Regardless of how Dylan Brooks feels about Draymond Green as a person, he might dislike him. He might think he's a jerk. But when you start to, like, say things like, like, undercut his winning impact, you look like the idiot. And Draymond called him an idiot. Like, think about it. Like, Draymond has won a defensive player of the year. There are 450 players in the NBA, and he got rated the very best defender. I think he's the best defender of this era. He's made a second-team All-NBA. We finished an NBA season, and the media voted him as one of the 10 most winning, impactful winning players in the league. The guy has won four NBA championships. I, like I, He didn't even play very well in last year's uh, postseason, and they still were nine-plus points better when he was on the floor versus when he was off. And they won all their minutes when Draymond was on the court with Steph off by a lot, like that, by 12 points per 100 possessions. Regardless of if you don't like him, that's fine, but you look like an idiot when you start trying to tell us he's not a very good basketball player or that he wouldn't succeed somewhere else. It's objectively false. You come off looking super disrespectful, and, I mean, what do, what do you expect? And, look, he got to have some moments tonight. He played a good game, good defensive game on Steph. Had a couple of moments at Draymond's expense. Had a nice driving layup. But everything Draymond said is true. The reason why you guys aren't ready to contend for a championship yet is in that locker room, you have an elevated sense of what you've already accomplished. And the truth of the matter is, is it's incredibly hard to win an NBA championship. And most of the guys who do it are humbled in the time before that. LeBron James humbled in 2011 before he won in 2012. There's pain and suffering and loss on the way because you have to learn that like you, you that it is an incredibly difficult journey and it's a long pathway to get there. And I do think that Draymond's right that there's an issue within that locker room with understanding their ultimate goal and how far away they still are from getting there and how much better all of them have to get and how much more locked into the details they have to be in order to actually achieve that goal. So it's two trash talkers talking trash, but it's one guy who I don't like because he tries to injure people and, you know, is being disrespectful to an established great player in this league. But that's all I'm going to say about that. So um, let's move on to the Suns and the KD injury. So super freaky, uh, like, I, I I can't even remember this happening ever. Uh, I can't even think of, I'm sure it has happened in recent years, but I can't think of a time recently where a NBA player got injured in warmups and we just had it happen twice in two nights. And it really sucks 
because it probably takes Phoenix out of the running for the three seed. I think they probably could have passed Memphis, uh, but now that's going to be pretty tough. Um, and that sucks for their eventual uh, eventual playoff path because that four seed means you'll have to play Denver in the first round and you'll probably have to play a much tougher opponent in that five seed uh, versus somebody in that three seed. But once again, like I said with the Warriors, what's working in their favor is they shouldn't drop any lower than fourth because every team below them cannot maintain good play for more than a week or so. We just talked about this earlier. The Clippers, the Warriors, the Mavs, and the Wolves, they all, it's one week on, one week off with them playing good basketball. And the Lakers, who are playing really good basketball and have a lot more talent now, they're too far back. They're not going to pass Phoenix, right? So it is unfortunate, but we know how Kevin Durant is. He always seems to come back from these injuries at the top of his game. Doesn't have nearly the runway to get back in rhythm that we see from some of the other players in the league, the dude just like steps on the court and is the same bucket that he was when he got hurt. Right. So I'm not overly concerned about it. The way I look at it is it limits your opportunity to get the three seed, which is not complete. It's not entirely out of the equation. John misses a bunch of time and Devin Booker starts playing like, you know, the player he did early in the season for the the last month, they have a chance. But I think more than likely, this means they're going to end up with the four seed, which is going to make things just a little bit tougher for them. All right, so I've talked a lot about uh, uh, the bad for the the Mavs um, in recent weeks, and and it kind of was on display again. Last night, they lost on the road in New Orleans, 113 to 106. Luka and Kyrie both played poorly. Luka left the game early with the quad strain, but the MRI was clean, so he shouldn't miss more than a game or two, so that's some good news. They got absolutely obliterated uh, in all the physicality areas of the game. Again, they got out-rebounded 49-34. to They lost points in the paint. They lost second-chance points. They lost transition points. All things that are directly tied to your size and athleticism uh, on the court. They got lit up by C.J. McCollum. Um, and yeah, I, I want to be clear. Within this season, I don't see any hope for the Mavs. There's, just, there's no way they're going to be able to overcome these physical advantages that they're giving up every night. But... I do think that they're not overly far away within this summer to be able to go and target these sorts of things that they need. So, and I want to use the Lakers as an example, because with the Lakers, you know, again, all the focus was on the Russell Westbrook trade and Russ wasn't a good fit. And it's not an apples and apples thing to apples to apples thing with Kyrie because Kyrie's a much better player than Russell Westbrook, but take Russ out of the equation for a second and just look at who they lost. You know, losing Kyle Kuzma, who was a great rebounder for them and who was a solid on-ball defender and a really good help defender for them. He was a very good above-average spot-up player for them. He was giving them about 1.05 points per spot-up possession. Just a big forward that could do a lot of things. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, one of the best lock-and-trail defenders in the league. A, one of the best transition guards in the league. He was a very, very good spot-up player for the Lakers, too. In the ensuing salary crunch, they lost Alex Crusoe as top tier guard defender in the league who has the size and strength to switch on to bigger forwards and, and, and is a, like a connective piece on the offensive end of the floor. Great cutter. He shot 40% the last year with the Lakers from three. They gave up all these different things. And then in the process, they had nothing left. They're completely devoid of offensive skill, completely devoid of size on the perimeter. And so Basically, for a year and a half, when LeBron and Anthony, even when LeBron and AD would play together, they were only about a 500 team. 
Now, part of that was LeBron and AD were constantly in and out of the lineup, so they were never in rhythm, which can disrupt those sorts of things. But, like, still, for the two of them to play together and to be 500 is, is pretty jarring. But it comes back to that thing that I talk about on this show all the time. There is a list of responsibilities on both ends of the floor that you have to fulfill as a basketball team. And what happened was, is by get, sending out all those guys... When LeBron and AD were in and out of the lineup, they just weren't checking enough boxes, and so they were a bad basketball team. Again, like, basketball is a, like, it's, of all the American sports, team sports, the major American team sports, the individual impacts winning in basketball more than any other sport. That's a fact. But it is still a team sport at the end of the day. And it does get much harder for even the best players in the world to win games when they don't have guys that can go out and fulfill responsibilities for them. And there are a lot like, let's, let's zoom in on the Mavs for a minute. Like they, they have all the offensive boxes checked. They have two outstanding shot creators, Kyrie Irving, excellent in pick and roll, excellent in isolation can attack switches, can destroy drop coverage. Luca can do all those same things. Luca can also attack out of the post and create a lot of high quality opportunities there. They have, you know, some reasonable movement shooting, right? Like like Tim Hardaway Jr. can come off the screen and hit a shot. They have a lot of really good spot up players. They've got a they've got two pick and pop bigs with Maxi Kleba and Christian Wood. They've got a lob threat in Dwight Powell. They, they they check a lot of boxes on the offensive end of the floor. But there's a lot of boxes on the defensive end of the floor too. You need guys who can guard at the point of attack, dribble drive guards. You need guards that can fly over the or that can fight over the top of screens and 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 compete in pick and roll coverages. You need Guards who can lock and trail and chase shooters around. You need guard. You need um, you need uh, big guys that can fight and box out against big physical uh, uh, bigs that like to crash the offensive glass. You need big wings on the perimeter that can crash from the perimeter to win those contested rebound battles or to um, uh, you know to uh, to run up and down the floor in transition and cover a lot of ground. You need those wings to guard the bigger forwards in the league that will try to attack you in mismatches and things along those lines. And the Mavericks are just about devoid of all of those things. They don't have rim protection. They don't have wing defenders. They don't have athleticism that can crack down from the wings and grab contested rebounders. They've got like a pretty versatile defensive forward in Maxi Kleba, uh, a center in JaVale McGee that they can't seem to find a play, play time for. They've got a good lock and trail defender in Reggie Bullock. You know, Josh Green has shown some flashes of that wing defense, but like they're really thin in all of those areas. But this is where I want to go positive because what sucked for the Lakers is they were in the difficult position where because of the way that Anthony Davis and LeBron James like to play, they needed offensive skill off the ball to open up everything for them in the paint and to generate those high-quality three-point shots that they could convert at a high rate or or uh, close-out opportunities and things along those lines. They needed offensive skill. They tried that the first year with guys like Mello and Malik Monk, right? And what happened? They couldn't defend. Then this year, they went all in on defense, but they didn't have any skill, and so they couldn't score. They could only score in transition. It's expensive as all hell to get players that can do both. The advantage with how good Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic are offensively is you do not need nearly as much offensive skill off of them. Because Kyrie's an outstanding pull-up shooter. 
because Luka Doncic is an outstanding isolation player. He could shoot shots over the top. And the quality of looks that they're going to get off the ball are so high that even limited offensive players will be able to convert them at a decent rate. Again, it's all relative to the shot quality. A standstill three for an average shooter is a just as valuable of a shot as a contested three is for a great shooter, right? And so that's the advantage that they're bought. They can afford to do what the Lakers did at the start of the season, target veteran minimum contracts, players that are considered offensively limited, that have struggled fitting offensively other in other uh, places around the league. Guys like a Troy Brown Jr., that's a great example. Guys like a Dennis Schroeder, that's a great example. You can afford to go after limited offensive players that succeed on the defensive end and plug them in alongside uh, uh, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, and you're going to be able to fulfill, uh, you're going to be able to still survive offensively. Like the offensive drop-off, like right this year, Kyrie Irving, since Kyrie started playing basketball for the Mavs, which was February 8th, I think, the Mavs are scoring about 120 points per 100 possessions on offense. That's amazing. I think it's fourth in the league over that span. That's not going to drop off very far if you bring in some size and athleticism on the perimeter or on the wing that have some offensive limitations. It might drop from 120 to 118 or whatever, but defensively you're going to be able to survive to a much greater extent. It's going to be hard. They're going to have, you know, there's the mid-level exception. Um, Reggie Bullock's on a team-friendly deal, but I'm not sure if he's the kind of guy you want to give up. But again, maybe it's a piece-for-piece type of thing. A team that's looking for shooting in a lock-and-trail guy, maybe you can flip Reggie Bullock for a team that has a plethora of size and athleticism on the wing. Hell, like the Toronto Raptors. Call the Raptors. Get one of their wings, right? They've got at least one tradable first-round pick. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a good mid-size contract that they can attach to stuff. You've got your mid-level exception, They have options, and they have a larger scope of players that they can consider because of the offensive skill that Luka and Kyrie present. So again, I've been super negative about the Mavericks. I don't think they can win this year, but I do believe that they have a very straightforward path this offseason to get get into a situation where Kyrie's uh, offensive skill and Luka's offensive skill can come to the forefront. So I don't think it's all lost. I just think it's all lost within this season. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. We will be back on, uh, I'm recording a video on Saturday night that will be uploaded on Sunday morning covering tomorrow night's games and Saturday night's games. As always, I sincerely appreciate you guys for supporting the show, and I will see you on Sunday morning. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 